Good morning, Chair City Church. Good to see all of you here. So, um, one-liners. I, I like one-liners, huh? You know, whether they're, uh, you know, wise sayings like some of the ones we just saw up there or whether they're kind of funnier ones, you know, like uh, I asked God for a bike, but, you know, we know God doesn't work that way. So I stole the bike and I asked God for forgiveness, right? <laughs> or, you know, the, or like we would say in New York, you know, the last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's on the list, all right? <laughs> How about women will never be equal to men until they learn to walk down the street with a bald head and a beer belly and think they're sexy, right? <laughs> My, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My psychiatrist told me that he thought I was crazy. And I said, I want another opinion. He said, okay, you're ugly. Right? <laughs> and if, if God is watching us, the least we can do is be entertaining, right? <laughs> so we are in week four of our current teaching series uh, coming from the book of Proverbs. And this series is based on, in a sense, Proverbs is a bunch of one-liners from God to us. They're not necessarily funny, but they certainly are wise. These sayings of great wisdom that God is speaking to us to apply to our lives, right? Wisdom is the application of very good information. Proverbs is very good information. The theme found in the theme of Proverbs we're saying is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, which is the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, right? Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Whatever it costs, get it, pursue it, get wisdom. Now we can all gain wisdom. We've been saying this. No matter how intelligent you might be, no matter what your academic status is, how much you've been educated, your socioeconomic place, no. Wisdom is for all of us because wisdom is the beginning of fearing and understanding God. Now, one thing is certain for everyone in here is you and I have influence. You have influence perhaps over someone in here today. Perhaps you have influence over someone out there. But you have influence. If you are a parent, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, friend, co-worker, employee, church volunteer here, you have influence over someone somewhere at some time. Now here's a thought for you. Whenever you have authority, your words have more gravity. You see, whoever and whenever you influence, you need to really believe today that your words have weight. The more influence you have, the more weight to your words. When I first met, you know, Christy, and I've shared this with you before, but it just, it just fits well, man. When, I, when we first met each other, we kind of made a, uh, a, a date, if you will. You know, I thought it was a date. Obviously, by the time the whole weekend was over, she did not think it was a date, but <laughs> she thought we were just being friends, whatever, okay. You know, but... So I went there now to her home for the first time from New York to Connecticut. And she told me, in, you know, before I came up, so, okay, I'm going to be here. I might have some friends. But just so you know, my parents aren't going to be here. They're, they're out leaf peeping. I've told you this before. 
And so as soon as she tells me they're out leaf peeping, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking Jerry Garcia, pot smoking, hippies, you know, the bandanas, the, the whole bit out there, you know. <laughs> Lloyd, Diane, <laughs> you know. And that, that's the picture, really. That's the picture that's filling my mind. Now, this is important. I almost didn't make the trip. I was like, eh, I don't know about this, but, you know, I wasn't really so responsible, and she was attractive, so I'm like, okay. And the reason why it's important is because my grandmother, my Sicilian grandmother, Elizabeth Trelongo, she once spoke these words to me. She looked at me very seriously, raised her finger, and said, Davy, remember this. Whoever you marry, you marry their family. She did. And it just settled in on me. It just sunk in. So I'm thinking, you know what? Do I want to marry a, a girl whose parents are a hippie and a pothead? I don't. I don't. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, do I want to hang out with this girl? And, and well, as you and I, as I came to know Lloyd and Dan, they're not hippies. I don't know about the pothead part of it. I mean, the way they behave sometimes, I wonder. I mean, Lloyd is, I'm off track here, man. I'm off script, but God help me. They're getting older. I got to tell you, it's getting rough, man. This Joy, Joy comes in and she's like, uh, this is really obviously hanging up to me. She's laughing. I'm like, what? She's like, oh, that was just great. She goes, you know, the cops were at our house. The cops were just at our house. The police were there. I call them cops. My kids call them police. Better for them. She goes, the police were just at our house. Like, just like minutes ago. You just missed them. I'm like, why were the police here? She goes, that's oh, great. She says, you know, um, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the living room, in Nanny and Grandpa's living room, because she's in their house more than my house. And she's like, I, the doorbell rings, and I look out, and I see a police officer standing there, like, on the porch. And I'm like, whoa. So I go downstairs, Grandpa, Grandpa, there's a police officer on the porch. She goes, he comes out, he opens up the door, and next thing I know, I hear him say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to access my voicemail. <laughs> he dialed 911. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Pothead, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Words matter. Words mark. They have a deep and lasting effect on people. Now, again, we're bringing this series to you. The, the strategy of this is, yes, the teachings in Proverbs and what we're bringing to you over the course of these weeks are to change your life. But strategically, we're drilling it down that we, the summer is upon us here in New England. And what we've noticed is that when September comes, pastors like myself, counselors, they, it's a hairy, busy, tough month because people are in such difficult places in their lives. And what it is is that over the summer, they were depleted, depleted of money, depleting of relationship, depleted of spirituality, and, and, and they come out just overall depleted, usually from not making the best decisions to different degrees in different areas of their life. So we're saying, hey, let's do this series from the book of Proverbs to inject wisdom so you can make wise decisions in this summer and come out in September not depleted but thriving, right? Strong empowered and, and and rather than sowing because you know you sow in the summer and you reap in the fall rather than sowing seeds of discord and depletion discouragement damage no 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 you're gonna and then harvest that in the fall no you're gonna sow seeds of life right abundant life gladness joy peace warmth love this summer huh 
I was going to say, this could really be the summer of love for you, but I, just bad pictures, so we won't say that. You're thinking of the uh, part? I'm going, what's going on? We're going back to the 60s here real fast, right? So listen, for better or for worse, words influence people. And especially when you have any sort of an authority or a special place in their life, your words have so much gravity. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Meaning, when it says the power of the tongue, it means the words we speak. Words can bring pain and damage to marriages, to families, to friendships. Can be disruptive in business relationships. Words can damage hopes and dreams. Now, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says, the tongue can be a tree of life. Again, the words you speak can bring life. Words can make marriages sweet, families strong. Words can make dreams come true, right? The words you speak have weight. Your words matter, your words mark. What Solomon, the writer of the book of Proverbs, is telling us, in sharing these problems, these proverbs that I just read, is that everybody is responsible for the words, for how they use their words. That's the summary of those two proverbs and others. He's saying, hey, we're responsible for the words we use. And you know this is true. Because when you think back, you, and maybe you don't have to go too far back, you've been affected by the words people have spoken to you, right? Like me with my grandmother. Uh, that's kind of a positive. It, they could be negative as well, huh? Somehow those negative words seem to carry sometimes a bit more weight than the positive. I don't know, that could be my perception. But words are, we're influenced by the words of other people, and we could be hurt, hurt by those words. And when we're hurt by those words, often, not always, but often, we can develop a kind of a mindset, a, a, a mental posture, where we're either in a state of proving or permission. Prove or permission. What that means is, someone has said something to you negatively, derogatorily, condescending, beat you down, dressed you down, and you're going to now set out in your life to prove them wrong. You're going to prove them wrong. You're going to prove to yourself that they're wrong. And it can become an, a major force, a ma major drive in how you live your life. And on the surface at first, it can somewhat seem okay. Seemingly, it could even kind of give the impression of some attractive traits, ambition, responsibility, determination, but deep down, the source of this, the drive of this is, I'm going to prove them wrong, what they said to me. And man, that just simply can overcome you and bring so much unhealthiness into your relationships because you're bringing an unhealthy past into your present. There was a um, book written when, I was, uh, when Chrissy and I were appointed missionaries. Uh, one of the books we were given... Uh, it was just a, a great one. It's called The uh, Dark Side of Leadership. It's many years ago. And here's the premise of the book. The man says, hey, you know, we have so many books written from ministers or about ministers that speak to their positive traits and the things they've accomplished. 
He said, I decided to write a book to speak to why they're failing, especially in the moral failures or, or mental failures, and, and meaning I want to go out and speak to them. So he goes out and he speaks to, uh, you know, Jimmy Swagger. He goes out and he speaks to Jim Baker. Some of you might know those names, but these are kind of iconic preachers that just really, uh, we use the word fall, but they had moral failures, massive ones in their life, right? And he said, what I found was in Swaggart, in Baker, in other ones, I'm not going to give you the details, was that at some point in their life, someone said this to them, or this kind of happened to them, you know, to give them this depiction, and they now were living out from, I'm going to be better than that. I'm going to prove I'm better than that. And that became their dark side, that dark force, that although they were sincere in all they were doing and all they accomplished, and that, that eventually came back around. Our enemy, our adversary worked through that, came around, and it overcame them. That's scary, right? Says, actually uses Billy Graham as a person who recognized that, that he had been rejected by the words of another person, and particularly a girl who said, no, I don't want you, I don't want to be with you. And it so rattled Billy Graham to the bone, and he saw what it was doing to him, that he really was incredibly protective about that bit that existed there, huh? So, you've got to get over words that wounded you, huh? Otherwise, it's going to be a dominant, or is a dominant driver in your life. You've got to recognize it for what it is, huh? Now, at the same time, some of you are dealing with this mindset of permission, right? What that is, because you've been wounded by words, you've given yourself the permission to hurt other people with words. And you need to know that, that like... <laughs> that you could be carrying around like a venom in your veins, right? And if you've been hurt by words, you tend to use words in a harsh way, an overly critical way, and they come out in a very angry way. You might not perceive that, but that's what's happening because, again, it's coming from a deep-down hurt inside of you. And anger is an emotion given to us by God. Anger is there for that when someone's hurting us, it now comes up into us and it protects us. So if you've been hurt by words and now you've given yourself permission you know, to use those to, that way to others, you're still connected. You were hurt. You're connecting to your past by practicing that way as it was practiced onto you. In doing that, you're now creating an anger in you, whether you realize it or not, and you're projecting that onto those around you. Huh? Don't give yourself permission to get things off your chest, okay? The things people say or have said, they can fuel us into how we communicate and talk to other people especially those we love, right? I want you to hear me out now, right? Just pause. Today is a great day to have this Jesus moment, one where the presence of God is just upon you. You feel the courage of an almighty, living and loving God just coursing through you, displacing that venomous hurt from you, that was instilled in you, and he's extracting that and instead pouring his spirit into you. 
filling you with power and with courage. And you know, I'm going to take responsibility for these words and doing this. I'm walking away from this way of living. I'm turning to God with my hurt. I'm turning to God with the, those words, right? And I'm going to look to a God who loves me, who tells me he loves me. And I'm going to talk and I'm going to believe that with all that I am, that God loves me. And that's how I'm going to communicate to those around me from God's love and his words of love, not from the words of hurt that were brought upon me. Yes? Before you say something, today, this summer, your life, remember, your words matter and your words mark and your words have weight. Now, I want to just toss out a routine. I'm a guy of routines because my mind is like scattered, man. So I try and impose on myself routines and little formulas. I'm, this is not something original. I forgot where I got it from. But just to help you try and you know, package this in a way to help you practice, kind of put a gate on your mouth. Before you say something, think to yourself this. Is it true? Is this true what I'm saying? Be surprised. Not saying you're a liar. I'm saying you'd be surprised. Is this true what I'm saying? I mean, do I know that? So I'm going to tell you that the majority of the time when people are coming to me, talking to me, about things they think happened or, what's the word, um, conclusions they've come to, it, it, 90% of the time, it's, in a, it's, it's inaccurate, that it's a, at the very least incomplete. And about a third of the time, it's just like, it, it, they're not even in the ballpark. Hmm? Is it true, what I'm saying? You can apply that too to what you're saying to yourself. That, that's another sermon. But even what you're saying to yourself, is it true what you're going to say? Is it kind? Are these words kind? What I'm saying, the way I'm saying it, when I'm saying it, is it kind? How about next, is it necessary? Oh, I just am not good at this. Do you really need to say what you're saying now? Do you need to say that much? I mean, is it, ne- is it just necessary for you to make that comment or to say those words? And again now, you're communicating from the love of God, not from the hurtful way you were communicated with, yes? And then last, does it honor God? Is God being held high? Is the weight of a glorious God coming down upon you and your heart and the words you're going to use in that situation? Is it honoring God, huh? Solomon, the author of the book of Proverbs, He wants to help us wise up. Now here are three things you can consider. Just keep them going on, trying to help you with application here. Three things I'm going to toss out that you can consider when speaking to others. One, first, re-emphasizing, let your words be true. Your words must carry credibility. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 31 says, the mouth of the godly person gives wise advice but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. Like, so, whoa, okay. So forget about like putting soap in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, no, they were serious then. They cut your tongue right out. Man, I would have made it past like four. Okay, so what Solomon is doing here is he's emphasizing the seriousness of using your words in an honest way. 
how that really affects relationships so much. And it can not only affect your relationship with others, but with God. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Man, I just was going back to this over and over. Again, not only myself and, and, and you say, well, I have this privilege of interacting with all of you and people and it kind of shows me the voids I have in my life and some of the inconsistencies or challenges of where I could be doing better or where I'm just outright mucking it up, man. When you lie to someone or mislead someone, when you break a promise, right, you're crushing their spirit, man. You're draining their soul. Your words now are untrue and, and untrustworthy. Think about that, untrustworthy. It's difficult in a relationship. You're, and what you realize, you're breaking the soul. You're crushing the spirit of another person because they heard that promise come from you, right? And they had an expectation based on that promise. Hmm? And from that expectation, they began to build hopes and pictures in their minds and dreams. And now those promises being broken and it's incredibly crushing to their inner being. It, it's, it's just crushing to their spirit. I've been pastoring for eight years now, ministry for 20 years, and so much pain is connected to what I'm telling you now in families, in relationships, huh? Are your words true? They're what you're doing, are they, what you're doing, are they lining up with those promises you've made, right? One of the traits people desire so much in others, even to this day still, is credibility and trustworthiness. Now this also speaks to gossip. We're being strategic with this series. It talks to gossip, right? And rumors, huh? See, gossip and rumors are forms of deceitfulness and dishonesty. There's just something about gossip that it's enticing to people, right? Many times I hear people gossiping, they don't even realize, man, that's gossip, huh? We're drawn to it. We find it so natural, so we easily participate in it, right? Listen, what you're hearing could be half the story. Now, if it's positive, cool, but if it's negative, you know, I'm hearing part of the story, half the story, even if it's true, it's part or half. There very well, highly likely, be another part of this. I could almost always are hearing this out of context, right? And by participating in this, I could be hurting another person's reputation. I could be contributing to something that's misleading and distorting about them, their life, their reputation. I, I could be... And if, when they hear this, and who knows what it's going to sound like, by the way, when it gets back to them, it could be crushing their spirit. And certainly by participating in this, you never come out feeling refreshed like you've renewed your spirit, do you, right? Now, I'm glad that this church is known or not known for being a gossiping church. But the other, we're known for not a church that doesn't gossip. I'm glad we're known for a church that cares for and helps others, that considers others before ourselves. I'm glad we're known for a church that's welcoming, friendly, and, and thinking the better of others. We want them to know we care about them before they know about, you know, what we know, right? We want them to belong and then believe. But I want to tell you, the summer's coming, and part of our strategy this summer is we're gonna try and get you around each other as much as possible, 
around my home out there in Chilling Grills. I don't know if they announced it, but there's Chilling Grill coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's our first one of the year. What is it? 23rd. June 23rd. Thank you for letting me know what's going on in my church. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, and we're going to amp it up this year. Hey, don't, don't gossip. I know, I, I know you do so well with this because you know how it, what it means to your pastor. It's our culture. It's what we value. But be in your guard not to gossip. And if you hear it, to kind of discourage it. Now, you don't have to be like the police. My kids, we teach them this. Because they're out in the schools and, oh, about this girl, about that teacher, about this. We teach them. One, just, if you can, just step away or turn away. If you can't, just say, you know what, I, how, how, do we, how do you know that's true? Just say, how do you know that's true? Say, you'll just like burst it right away. Well, how do you know that's true? Well, well, someone said this. Well, well, how did they know it's true? Or like, you know, or, or, or maybe that's not the whole story. Maybe there's more to it. Or just come out and say, you know what? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I, you shouldn't be telling me that, man. Don't, don't tell me that. I'll do that sometimes as well. Listen, now some of you are thinking, but if I do that, it's going to affect my relationship with other people. Yeah, that's right. And you want that effect to come into relationship with other people. It's going to be a better, it'll now give you the opportunity to build a healthier relationship with that person. And it, it brings health to our church and of course, even outside of our church in your lives, in your offices, in your workplaces, in your homes. Don't gossip, huh? And what I tell people, what I tell my kids, and I share a lot with you as well, is look, if you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution, you're gossiping. That's how you know it's gossip. And often if I'm talking to you and I bring somebody's name into it, you'll hear me say, just so you know, I've told them this. I'm probably going to tell them that I talk to you and I encourage you to go and talk to them. Right? I do that. It's not gossip. We want to solve a problem. There's a problem that we're all involved in. Maybe we've all participated in this problem. Let's get, you know, let's get put it on the table and let's chat about it with each other. So, wisdom says, let your words be true. This summer, keep your promises. Not to gossip, as we, who we are as a church, but to consider others before ourselves. Keep your promises that you've made wife to husband. Keep the promises you've made to your children. Keep the promises you've made to friends. Keep the promises you've made. Keep your promises. If you have to go home and write them down, remember them. And this summer, if you have broken promises, run to the battle, baby. Run to the pain. Know that the power of God is on you. You've met him mightily. Huh? And go and let this summer be a summer of restored, broken promises. Right? You know what I'm saying? And know that don't worry about how far behind you are on the damage. Know that a living and a loving God is going to bring beauty from ashes. Huh? He's going to create what you never would have or could have or thought you could do. Let this summer be a summer of restored promises. So wisdom also says, let your words be few. And as I've said before, this is something that Christy struggles with and I've found to have mastered in my life, right? Yeah, yeah, that woman can be a woman of few words, man. I've got to tell you this, huh? <laughs> we went out, I'm just, I'm going off script, I'm watching time, with, where are we? All right. We went out to eat a, I think it was, yeah, earlier this week, take somebody out to encourage them. And it, it was, it was a, it's been a, a long week, very busy, and, and, and Christy was tired. We wound up having to drive a lot longer than we thought we would. 
And um, we're sitting there, I glance over and I see her starting to take, I see it coming on her, man, where she's, she's really not talking a lot. And I'm thinking, okay, it's coming, it's coming. She's gonna take that, you know, that statue look where she puts a big smile on, pretty face, and she just, that's it, she does, <laughs> that's it, she doesn't move. So I was kind of bringing her into the conversation. But generally, more than not, Chrissy's a person, a few words, I'll speak more, right? But listen, and Chrissy will tell you, I'll tell her, did I speak too much? Did I talk too much? Be careful how much you speak and when you speak, right? Remember that routine. Is it true? Is it kind? And here we go. Is it necessary? Is it necessary to talk that much and to say that much? You say a lot more words than you think you do. So the average person says 10,000 words a day. That's average. Okay, 10,000 words a day. That's a 30-page book a day. A 30-page book a day. A year, it's, I think I got it, it's a 9 or 10,000-page book a year you're writing with your words. Now, you need to believe you are writing a book. You just might not realize it, right? Because mo- many of those words that you're speaking, you're writing things, words, on the hearts of others. That's what you're doing. Solomon knew that many of us could say 10,000 words before lunch. Some of us could say 10,000 words at breakfast, man. And what he's saying is, hey, the more, the less you say, the better. Now, I'm not talking about if you're hanging out with 20 different people. And blah, blah. I mean, if you just don't overwhelm people with words, the less you say, the better. He, he writes this in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. I got it from the message. I just think it's a, it's a good one. The way, the, way, the way it says this. The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Think about what you're going to say. You'll say it less. Now you could talk with words. You could talk with text. You could talk with email. I tell you, if I'm going to send out some sort of an email or text that is in any way critical or involved in something serious, and I try not to communicate that way, but if, if it, I must, or it's just the timing calls for it, I'll run it by Christy. I'll say, hey, you know, and by the time it's done, it's like chopped up. It's like two-thirds of it is gone. It's reworded. I'm trying to measure my words. Proverbs says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. <laughs> With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Lloyd. I just happened to be looking at you. <laughs> Nobody knows who Lloyd. <laughs> no, Lloyd's an intelligent guy. That's why I call him Horatio in my house. If you know it, that's my nickname for Lloyd, Horatio. Horatio Algebra was a very intelligent person. Uh, anyway, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. So, hey, I'll do this. Because I'll always say, and I've told you, I'm generally not the smartest, most educated person in the room, most experienced. And, and so when I see that, I think I'm a little bit, you know, you know, underwater here. I'm not saying I'm stupid. I just don't feel like I have a command of what's being said or so on and so forth. I have some ideas. I have some thoughts. I, I might even think, I think they're wrong there, but I don't have a command of this. I'll just really kind of talk less. I'll t- actually, I might not say anything. I'll just sit there. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. And then I like, hmm. You know, put my hand on my chin. It makes you look smart. It does. <laughs> you know. 
You know, I might say that. And when they go home, I tell you, people will think that you're just smart. You're there, right? I, I, it, it just, it's just, just say less. Sometimes don't say anything, right? I, I struggle with this because I, I have a tendency when I jump into things to kind of go forward quickly. I did this in construction management and by the time I was like 23, I'm a project manager of like multi-million dollar gut rehabs in the Bronx in New York. It's a big deal. And, um, and I just had a hard time saying, I don't know. I thought I always had to have an answer. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing to say with that, right? I remember one time... Uh, there was an architect of the project. He pulls me aside and he's talking to me. And he says, uh, he starts out by saying, you know, you know David, uh, just parenthetically, and then he says something. I don't even know what he said to this day. Because once he said parenthetically, I checked out. And when he was finished, I looked at him and I said, listen, you're not my parent, okay? <laughs> and don't talk down to me. Right? I mean, I'm, that, I'm a raw book of Hey, you're not my parent. The guy probably still laughing so hard. He, he probably never sees the word parenthetically again and sees it the same way. Listen, talk less. For some of you who don't know what parenthetically means, just go home and look it up and you'll get it. When you go home, you'll laugh, okay? Look. Look, few words will help you communicate better. And you know, keep in mind, different people take it in a different way. And you know that if you have children. I have one child that's, that I can speak rapidly and a lot, and he'll flow right with me. I have another child, it just doesn't go that way, and it took me a while to get that. That I'm on like point four, and they're still processing point one, <laughs> you know? And finally, if anything, they'll just finally just agree to everything you're saying, just to get you to shut up. <laughs> like, God, just punish me, spank me, put me in prison, just do anything, just please shut up. Listen, what I have found is the smallest amount of words repeated over a longer period of time is better than a lot of words stated in a short time, huh? In my home, we have sayings, and I've done this to create culture in my home. I do in the church, the best is yet to count, run to the battle. In my home, we have a saying called together forever. It speaks to our love and our dedication to ourselves, to each other, to the family as a whole, together forever. When we talk to our kids, you know, often, when I say we, all of us, when we talk to our kids, we're more prone to just sometimes just trying to get stuff off our chest. We're so busy. We're here, we're there. Now, boom, right? Be careful what you're saying. Is it what they need to hear, and is it how they should be hearing it, right? Remember, your words have weight, and they mark, huh? And they're going to mark your kids, so let it be a good mark. Sometimes less is more. Take some moments to process and think about what you're going to say. Now, and when you've made this mistake, because I do, when you've made the mistake of saying too much and saying it the wrong way, then do what I do. You know, when you've blown it, just say, I'm sorry. You know, forgive me. A few words so powerful. I, Christy and... Uh, Yesterday was Justin's graduation. My son Justin graduated from what you would know as high school. Christie's educated him for like, thir- home educated him for 13 years. Thank you, my love. Thank you, babe. It's been a kind of an emotional time for Christie's life. I think it was maybe Friday. Justin took her out for breakfast, and he gave her a letter that he wrote to her. And uh, she read it. 
And she said, I just, I just lost it, she said. And she goes, somebody from the church walked over to say hi, and they talked to Justin, and they looked at me, and <laughs> she goes, I didn't know what to do. She goes, it's like, <laughs> she goes, oh, no. She tried, tried to explain that I was okay, that nobody was like, you know. But she was so overwhelmed with joy from reading the letter, and just, to, I'm sure I haven't talked with her deep about it yet, but uh, just a sense of God's providence in their life. You know, so now, uh, that was Friday. Saturday, yesterday's the graduation. Uh, Christy and I have to get there early with Justin so they could do some rehearsal. They have homeschool students coming from around the state to come together for a homeschool graduation. And so Christy and Justin are ready. I'm late, okay. I'm running, I'm rushing. I turn around and uh, I, uh, I jump in a car. I get them in a the car and what happens, a car is parked. My family's here visiting with us. My brother from Maine, my parents from Florida, they're not here, I think they'll be in the next service. They're getting here around 10, 15, 10, 20 today. And uh, the, my car is kind of like jammed in between their cars. My dad's rental car is right behind me. My brother here, I'm here. So I get in the car, and right away I realize I, might for, I think I forgot something. So I'm looking around for it. I get distracted. I find it. I put the keys in ignition. I put the car in reverse, and wham! I back right into my father's rental car. He doesn't know this yet. <laughs> I mean, it was like, boom! Right, it was, it was loud, right? It was, I don't know where Christy is. It was like crazy loud. And uh, I just get so upset. I, I put the car, I put it in, and so right away now, I, I get out and I start insinuating. Like, you know, basically what I'm insinuating is that Christy and Justin were out there standing around, like life is wonderful, everything's great. They could have gotten the car and moved it and I wouldn't have had a rush like this. Now, I don't say that in so many ways, but I'm insinuating, right? We're driving down. And now I'm turning around, I'm still impatient, it's leading me to, to you know, to, to say more things, and then finally it hits me like, what, Dave, what are you doing, man? You're blowing it. This, this kid's graduation, she's 13 years she's put into this, and you're just like this monster here, man. What are you doing? So I catch myself, praise God, I catch myself by the time we get to 2A, which is, you know, about three quarters of a mile from my house. And I stop, and I reach back, and I take Justin's hand, I put my hand out. He takes my hand. I said, son, I'm sorry. Christy, I'm, this is me. It's my fault. I messed up with time. I shouldn't be rushing. You don't deserve this. You deserve it. Please forgive me. And just, you could just feel things just settle into a, a good, beautiful place. And we went great from there. I thank God that I, of course, sometimes it would take me days, sometimes some weeks, whenever. Listen to me. Don't let the enemy speak into the lives of your loved ones. Just say, hey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, right? It's a powerful couple of words. It's a few words that make a massive difference in people's lives, huh? All right, so last, Solomon's going to tell you, let your words be few, let your words be true, and he's going to say this. We're going to close out as quick as we can with make your words stick. Make your words stick. When you talk to people you love, right, those close you, consider the positive influence your words can have on them. Just a few words, the difference it can make in their lives, Proverbs chapter 25, 11 says this, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Meaning, as you spend time thinking about communicating with those you love, and especially this time where you're going to be around them a lot more over the summer, just craft special words to speak into their life. Again, you don't have to be educated. I mean, together forever. It's not really like a rocket science, right? <laughs> Do you know, 
You know, is Janelle beautiful? Does Daddy love you? Does Jesus love you? I mean, just simple, you know, the best is yet to come, just simple sayings that you're going to speak into your, the lives of those you love. And at the right moment, you drop it on them, and they're like, wow, this was just for me. This was custom made for me. It's a beautiful thing, right? And it's going to be the perfect fit for them, the right size for them. They're going to know it was made just for them from you. Jason, my son Jason, we have this thing, is we are, you're a great guy. I say, Jay, you're a great guy. He says, you're a great dad. I say, I'm trying. <laughs> but that says so much to him. Listen, like jewelry, these few word sayings that you can make stick and that you could use in the right time. If you don't know what to say, boom, <laughs> right there. Go home today, this week, formulate them, think about them. How are you going to use them in the lives of your loved ones, huh? And I just want to say on a side note here, well, let me just keep going there. The Bible is God speaking to us. God speaking these words into our lives. God, th these words that stick to our hearts, that stick to our mind, that let us know that God loves us. God tells us that he so loved the world, meaning he so loved you that he gave his only son so that you would not perish, meaning you would not have the eternal damnation in hell forever, but you'd have eternal life with your heavenly father. He so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to give his very life that you would have life. God, every time you hear the word Jesus, that's God saying to you over and over, I love you. That's what it says. That's the name of Jesus. I love you. That's God saying, I love you so much. Let that stick to your heart. Huh? That one name, Jesus. We live in a world with a lot of words conflicting, confusing to God's truth. Let this truth pierce your heart today. Let it get part the clouds. God says, I love you. And he showed you that with the giving of the, his son so that you'd have eternal life. And that son is Jesus, our savior. I need a savior. You need a savior. I need a God who loves me. And I know he does because of Jesus. Let that drown out the noise around you. Let it push out that conflict and that inconsistency about what you think or perceive about God. Know this one thing first and foremost before you figure out this verse and these verses in Numbers chapter 3. Know this, God loves you. Before you think about what I got to change and what I got to do, God loves you. Before you think about how am I going to turn around and bring restoration to those broken promises, God loves me. And I know why, because of Jesus. And go from there. When we got together at the conference, I think I said this last week, I know I was talking to my family members. There was a minister, and he's probably in his 70s, and he's very respected. They acknowledge him at the conference. And, he, and, and we were talking about how to help ourselves as ministers, how to protect ourselves, how to do better in our families and ministry. He said, you know, here's what I've learned. It's just come on me the last two, three years. I really am seeing, I really know God loves me, he said. Like, no, no, like, that's it. He goes, I, I, I don't, I'm really believing that God loves me. And now the way I speak to people is from that place of how God loves me. The way I see people around me, it's through the lens of how God loves me. As you go out 
into your day, into your summer, and you've got now address how you're going to speak with people or how you did speak with them. Or how, just know God loves you and speak to them and live through that place, yes? God loves you. Let it mark you. Let it be a weight on your soul today. God loves you. Let it matter to you that Jesus gave his life for you. God gave us the gift of words. How we use them matters, yes? Listen, your words matter. They have weight. You have influence. Go out there, man, and just speak life into people. To God be the glory.